0: It's time for another edition of Mets Musings. Hi, this is Ron Darling. Uh, This is Skip Lockwood. Hi, I'm Ron Swoboda of the 69 New York Mets, and you're listening to Mets Musings with Gary Mack. Now it's time for some New York Mets baseball talk. Here's Gary Mack bringing you the latest news and analysis from Mets Nation and the world of baseball on another edition of Mets Musings. And hello and welcome to another edition of Mets Musings. How is everyone out there in Metsland, I hope it's good. Hey, you ought to be seven in a row for the Metsies? Break up the Metsies. Didn't see this coming. Don't know where it's coming from, but they're getting pitching. They're getting some hitting. They're getting some timely hitting. And hey, let's take it while it lasts. They hold first place by a game over the Phils. So just let's just be glad and hold on to it for what it's worth and. And this is with some guys injured. So, uh, you know, maybe that uh, change in hitting coach, uh, should <laughs> you never know. You just never know. Maybe it, it did do something. Maybe it sparked them. Maybe it was the whole Donnie Stevenson thing that that got them fired up. I don't know. But whatever it is, seven in a row for the Metsies. And uh, they hit the road. They go to Tampa Bay and then to, let me see, Atlanta and Miami uh, before returning home to the friendly confines of City Field. Um, Not much else to report except that, uh, like I said, seven in a row. They've been doing it with pitching and hitting and defense, believe it or not. Pallara has been playing a good, solid center field, and he's been hitting some too. Uh, Velar, Jonathan Velar, has been playing a good third base, getting some key hits in there now and then. Uh, Conforto starting to hit. Uh, Dominic Smith started the last couple of nights, so we'll see if he can keep that up and and get back into form. Uh, uh, T, uh, Taiwan Walker looked great again today. Uh, he's really pitched well since he signed with the Mets, and that's a big, big boost to this rotation that's hurt now with Degrom being on the IL. By the way, they think he'll be back. Just missed the one start. He should be back the twenty-first, I think it is. So uh, let's hope uh, for that. So he'll only miss the one start, and then come back uh let's see other injury reports uh, Brandon Nimmo is getting closer and closer so uh look for him uh pretty soon um not so with J.D. Davis and Luis Guillorme. Uh, apparently they're having troubles uh they're not healing as quickly as the Mets had hoped but Guillerme still has soreness when he uh, swings the bat, he is taking infield drills and and uh, but uh, feels it when he's swinging the bat. Davis is still struggling with his uh, uh, wrist injury, um, and the Mets added another player. If you saw the game last night, when uh, Albert Elmora Jr. crashed into the center field wall, this was terrible. Uh, looked awful, but. Um, Luckily, he's he's got some contusions, a shoulder contusion, and uh, he was able to walk off the field, which is a good sign. And uh, I guess feels, you know, he's sore, he's hurting today. But what what you feared when he hit the wall and bounced off and was on the ground for a few minutes. Uh, At least it's not coming to that. So uh, it looks like it's uh, a shoulder contusion, and he will be out for 10 days uh, to replace him on the roster. The Mets called up Kali Lee, uh, their prospect from Syracuse. Uh, Jeff McNeil went out of the same game against the Orioles last night. It was feared that uh, his injury was going to be uh, major, and he would have to go on the IL as well. But it turns out they believe it was cramps, uh, probably a little dehydrated, and uh, so he's going to be day today. He's expected to return on the 14th, so uh, that's two days from now. That'll be Friday night. Uh, look for McNeil to be in the lineup unless there's you know something else that creeps up. But as of now, he's due to uh, come back on the 14th got a great uh, guest this week we're going to break down the rays and the mets in the upcoming series and uh my guest is kevin weiss of uh, the locked on rays podcast and uh, we recorded that last night and one correction i want to make we i think we both got confused And uh, we're talking in different terms, but I was under the impression Tampa Bay was coming to New York and going to play the Yankees these last uh, yesterday and today and then play the Mets. And it turns out it's just the opposite. The Yankees went to Tampa and the Mets are going to Tampa, so Tampa's actually home. So uh, if, if it sounds like we, we uh, said it wrong, it's uh, I, I got confused. But um, uh, let's go to that interview. Let's take a break and go right to that interview right after this.
1: Baseball and BBQ, your place for interesting baseball talk, opinions, and history. Wouldn't it be great if you could get a PhD in life through baseball? Welcome to Baseball PhD, a tour company for your brain, 30 major league teams, 100 places to see. Let's touch them all as we make the road trip of a lifetime.
0: Facebook.com slash Mets Musings. On Twitter, at Mets Musings GM. And the Instagram is Mets Musings. And on YouTube, at Mets Musings Mac. Wish to be a part of the show, give us a call at 516 My guest this week is Kevin Weiss. He is the host of the Locked on Rays podcast covering the Tampa Bay Rays, who will be to face the Metsies. Uh, Kevin, welcome to Mets Musings.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. Glad to be on. Yeah, it's going to be kind of an interesting dynamic uh, considering your owner spends a lot of money or is spending a lot of money. Our owner historically has has not done that. So uh, our owner actually wish he could probably own the Mets as opposed to the Rays. He's, he's a longtime Mets fan, believe it or not. So there's a little bit of a, a natural tie-in there, I guess. Well, they
0: do find a way even, uh, even though uh, they don't spend a lot of money. They seem to pull rabbits out of their hats, uh, now, before we get into the to the Rays and the Mets, uh, tell us a little bit about Locked On Rays podcast. It's a, a daily podcast, I understand.
1: Yeah, you, you got it there. Yeah, daily podcast during the season. We go to three days a week in the off season. Usually, I guess you know between January to right up until spring training or so. But yeah, pretty much every day. Uh, we also make uh, weekly appearances on on the application called Locker Room where. A lot of our listeners can interact with us in real time, which is pretty cool. But uh, yeah, it's every day, about a half an hour episode where uh, this week, actually we have uh, Garrett Whitley, who was a former first round pick in his in double a Montgomery, just talking about, you know, playing in the minor leagues and getting back into minor league baseball after COVID and everything. So we do kind of a mix of, of guests and analysis. My, my co-host Ulysses Zambrano, he's a a longtime Rays fan. And um, we, we, we both live in the Tampa Bay area. So we kind of have a a real natural connection to the team too. So we, we really enjoy it. We've been doing it since uh, July or no, June, 2019. So pretty soon it'll be our, our third year anniversary, believe it or not.
0: Well, congratulations. It's it's a lot of work doing a daily podcast. You do it after games, before games, or just uh, it doesn't really matter?
1: Yeah, we, we'll mix and match. I mean, usually what we're doing now with the, the season in full swing. We'll usually record in the morning after a game. So, um, you know, what made it tough was the West Coast uh, road trip where you had the games at, at 10 p.m. and not being over till 1, one thirty or so. But, yeah, we usually record, you know, 8 a.m., 9 a.m., and then that gives people the entire day to to listen to it. And then we kind of, you know, recap last night's action, preview what's coming up today or, or the forthcoming game, and then we kind of go about it that way too. So,
0: Sounds good. Well, the uh, teams, are, you know, this is a funny year. All the teams seem to be hovering around 500, uh, including Tampa Bay and um, – they weren't expected to be that good because they lost a couple of big players over the offseason. Uh traded away Blake Snell. Um, how are the Rays doing this, uh, you know, time and time again, they seem they don't spend a lot of money
1: and yet they seem to uh, pull rabbits out of their hats. Yeah. It's one of those things, Gary, where, I mean, it it all comes down to the farm system and shrewd trades. That's really how they've built things up. And this is kind of, I mean, the, the front office basically acknowledged you would think that a team that made it to game six of the world series would try to really go out and okay, we might sign a big name free agent, or we're definitely going to bring back Blake Snell and Charlie Morton and the whole crew. But they're like, right. no, we we like the prospects we have. We've got a lot of really good pitching talent in the minor league farm system. So we've got to find a way to get those guys emerging and up and going and uh, trying to, you know, at the end of the day, save a little bit of money after the COVID nineteen pandemic as well. So this is kind of a transition year. It's interesting because they did, you know, in. In trading away Blake Snell and not picking up Charlie Morton's option, they they reshuffled some of those funds to signing some veteran pitchers on on much cheaper deals like bringing back Chris Archer, Rich Hill, Michael Walker, Colin McHugh. And, you know, it's kind of been mixed results. But really the the purpose of that is, you know, sign a couple of veterans, see how you can maybe get through, weather the storm through April and May. And then when you think and are confident that the young guns, Shane McClanahan, Luis Patino, Brent Honeywell, Brendan McKay, all these guys are – are ready to go. Um, call them up and, and see what they can do. And and that's actually happened sooner than we think. You know, some of it coming out of injury. The Rays have sort of been ravaged by injuries so far mm-hmm. this year, and um, they're performing very well. They've they found a way that. And you know, I mean, they they pretty much. This is really one of the first years that, you know, we know, we know about the Exodus Snell and uh, and Morton and so forth. But it, it's really the first time that I can remember that they bring pretty much their entire offensive core back which is a positive development for the most part. So um, they're finding a way to grind it out. I tell you what, Gary, I think this is going to be something where, you know, yeah, the Rays, I mean, they, they don't look as good as the Red Sox and maybe some other teams right now, but I think depth is really going to play a huge, huge role, especially going from 60 to 162, like we're going to see this year, where I think there's going to be a lot of teams that are just like, man, we how what are we going to do as far as pitching? How, how are we going to weather the storm? Whereas the Rays have a lot of, a lot of depth in that department. And I think they'll be okay at the end of the day. They're really doing a, they're trying to really manage the innings as best as they can. Like, you know, calling up Luis Patino and Shane McClanahan, then really only letting them go two, three, four innings. I think, you know, maybe by after the all-star break, they'll be comfortable unleashing them six, seven innings. And so forth, a uh, way to patch it again. That's, that's pretty much what uh, always, what they do. And, and this is a team that, you know, they were so known, so well known for their bullpen last year. And, and the bullpen's kind of been up and down, hit and miss part of that because Nick Anderson, uh, he's on the injured list. Diego Castillo is on, on the injured list. Pete Fairbanks, they're just getting him back. So there's been a lot of moving parts, but they found a way to kind of manage and, and hold the fort so far. So we'll see if they can continue to do it. Um, I mean, they're, they've got a lot of, ta- I mean, they're a talented, talented team. It's just, they might be a little, little green, a little young, and it might take some time for them to to get um, kind of going on all cylinders when they are, you know, at some point they're going to have to talk about bringing up Wander Franco and Bel Brujan and all these guys. And, and that creates another issue as well, too.
0: Yeah. I, I, you know, just looking at the injury list over here, they've got quite a team on the injured list. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you got Kiermaier, uh, of course, the great outfielder, and uh, Mejia, the young catcher that you got, uh, I think, from San Diego. And uh, Waka who you mentioned, and Archer are all on the, uh, the uh, injury list. So, uh, I mean, they can almost afford to let those guys stay on extra time, work back slowly. Uh, at least these young guys have, have as you said, have, have uh, been uh, keeping their head above water. And, uh, you know, that could be quite a shot in the arm when they do come back.
1: Yeah, that's, that's kind of the idea there, and it's it's one of those things, like you mentioned some of those guys, like Mejia has really been a godsend for this team. This franchise has just been, I mean, starving for a guy a guy at that position who can hit, a guy who can hit for average and spray the ball over the field and doesn't have a strikeout rate of 35% or whatever it may be. And he's been – you know, it's, it's funny because he was uh, – you know, Luis Patino was the centerpiece in that Blake Snell trade from San Diego, but Francisco Mejia is looking pretty darn good as well as a switch hitting catcher who's, you know, held his own defensively. He, he's shown that he can he can catch a game from Tyler Glasnow, which is not an easy thing to do when Glass now is throwing 100 at the top of the zone then a 12-6 breaking ball at the bottom of the zone and then mixing in a, a cutter and a slider and a changeup at times. Like, that is not an easy thing to do. And then come up to the plate and hit as well. I think that, you know, some of the teams that he had been with, I mean, he got called up um to the majors he's like 21 years old 21 year old catcher and you know cleveland i think gave up on him too soon San Diego, same thing and um the, the rays have kind of found a pathway for him i'm sure learning uh behind mike zanino and and there's been kind of a good workflow with those two guys so you hope that he is able to to come back i don't think it's an oblique issue i think it's more of a, they've said sort of a I guess a, a rib bruised rib sort of scenario so we'll see how long he's out kevin kiermeyer i mean it's same story with him. Like he, he's, we can just, ex- he's the Byron Buxton of the race. He's getting hurt. He's getting injured every year. Yeah, he he goes all out and he plays hard, but now he's 31 years old. And um, you know, he, he hurt his wrist, that, that wrist that he injured sliding into second base over the weekend. Um, he has eight screws in it already from an injury he had back in Detroit five, six years ago. So um, that that's not really a good sign. On the positive, the Rays have a lot of outfield depth. You know, they're they're going to slide in Brett Phillips a little bit more in center field. They've got a arena of course, Austin Meadows, um, Manny Margot. I mean, they've got a lot of options there, and, and that's the thing. The Rays, they're you know part of their mo here is is versatility. They got a lot of guys that, you know, if need be in a pinch, if you have to move Joey Wendell to the corner outfield spot, if you have to move Brandon to a corner outfield spot, if you have to move Brasso to a corner outfield spot, you can do that and, and seem to make it work at the end of the day. Um, Archer interesting case because, uh, you know, he went down and then he had the, his mother just died recently. So I don't know, you know, I, I think it's very TBD on if and when he'll return. He's only thrown, I mean, it's, it's funny that the Rays gave him six and a half million dollars, third highest paid player on the team. And he's only thrown four innings, four and two thirds innings so far this year. So he's pretty much been a wash at this point, Michael Waka, you know, I guess former New York met there. Uh, he's been pretty much what you would expect. I mean, I, I bargained Ben price to, to sign him and you, if he can give you quality starts and, you know, you're going to give up four runs, three runs, couple home runs. I mean, he's pretty much done. He keeps the raise in the game or he's shown to be able to do that, which is a, a pretty good sign of his. Um, I don't think, you know, he had a kind of a, a weird funky injury where he just heard his hamstring jogging. So I, it's good thing. It's not like an elbow or a forearm issue or shoulder issue or something like that. So I think he'll be, he'll be back. So I think, you know, I'd expect most of those guys, you know, at some point to, to return, but yeah, the, I mean, you, you would like – out of all those guys, I think most important is for sure. But, again, that, that kind of goes to the point of the raise depth. I mean, they've got so many guys on the injured list, and they're still finding a way to, to to manage things here, which is what they did last year. I mean, last year's team, making it to the World Series, going 40-20 and 20 in the regular season. And they, they set a, a franchise record for most guys on the injured list at one time. I think they had 13 guys. Um, in September or something like that. So it's just absolutely crazy. Like, you you just wonder what this team could be if they, you know, were 95%, 97% healthy. It would be unbelievable.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's the trick. The trick is to stay healthy. And uh, I know the, the uh, big star from last year's playoff, I don't, I'm going to butcher his name probably, Randy uh, <laughs> Arrows
1: Arena. Close enough. Uh, close enough. Uh, I don't get it right all the time. I, I, I we just call him Randy. We keep it simple, Randy. Randy. Hey. <laughs> yeah,
0: he is. Uh, he's off to a little bit of a slow start, if I recall correctly. Um, but uh, he's got so yeah, much he, talent.
1: Go ahead. Yeah, it's one of those things, you know. I think, you know, last I checked, I don't know about his his numbers as of right now, but he's been. I, look, to to live up to what he did in the postseason is almost impossible. He's not Babe Ruth. He's not Barry Bonds. He's not Derek Jeter. Um, and I think some fans probably came in with the expectation that what he did in the regular season and postseason, that he would be a, a 40-40 guy and hitting 340 for the rest of his career. And and we have to understand there's he's still a young kid. There, there's still a, a development process. There, there's something where... You know, there's a little bit of a scouting report on him where teams are starting to, because he's such a great fastball hitter, that teams are starting to attack him with more breaking stuff uh, and, and off speed at, and fewer fastballs and cutters and so forth. So um, his strikeout rate's a little bit unwieldy, uncomfortable there. You know, historically in his minor league career, he's been an under 20% strikeout guy. But the last time I checked, I think it was about, you know, 30% or so. But I, look, this is what I see from Randy Rosarina you know, Come year end, if he stays healthy, he's going to be a guy that um, you know. Sometimes you know, defensively, he's he's kind of a uh, an enigma. He'll make an outstanding diving play and then he'll let a ball go over his head. So that that's something that you've got to deal with. He's never, you know, I don't think he's going to get you know confused with Willie Mays or anything like that. But he's got the tools and the skill set for sure. But I think you know, if if you can get something, and this is still technically his rookie season because last year's season he didn't. Have enough at bats or or games or plate appearances to qualify. So that's another thing as well. But you know, somewhere around a, a 265, 270 hitter, 20 to 25 home runs, 20 to 25 stolen bases. I think that that's pretty much what you what you can and will expect from Randy. And just playing hard all out, fun, exciting guy to watch. Um, I just think you know some people maybe uh, they have this this worldview that he'll be the a uh, future Hall of Famer, and we we got to kind of maybe pull the brakes on that a little bit, I would say.
0: Yeah. And he could be one of those guys that, uh, uh, a, you know, a two, like you said, 270 hitter, 275, yeah. something in that range, 20, 25 home runs, but he could be a four, he could be a clutch player in the playoffs. It, it you know, uh, mm-hmm. it, it, he, he might just come to not come to light. That's not a good term. Uh, but you know, he, he, it, it just might be a money player, as we used to say back in the old days. You know, he, when the playoffs come, he really comes to play harder. Uh, it, mm-hmm. You know, not to say that he hasn't played hard all year, but just it's it's just his time of year. He likes that atmosphere and the pressure, and, and that happens at times. Uh, Mike Z- Zanino, I, boy, I can't get anybody's name right. <laughs> a lot um, of tough ones on the Rays roster, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Every time I see the highlights, he seems to be hitting a home run now. I know his numbers aren't great. He's got right. six home runs, though, which isn't bad this early in the season. And uh, they seem to be big ones all the time.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny because, look, there's a lot of fans that were, I mean, they had the pitchforks out when, you know, he's batting 150, 160 the last couple of years. And, you know, part of it is we've got to remember, I mean, that being a catcher is an extremely, extremely difficult job. It's almost like. I mean, it's almost like being a two-way player if you're being a pitcher and a hitter because there's so much responsibility and so much stress on the body. And, um, you know, he had dealt with and been battling with some oblique issues over the past couple of years. And I think that kind of maybe sapped him a little bit. We, we always known he's had power and elite level power, probably, I mean, pound for pound. I mean, I would say definitely the strongest guy on the team, maybe one of the strongest guys in all of baseball. And he can he can turn into one with the best of them, but we're seeing a little bit of a better approach now. I know he's he's altered his uh, his stance a little bit, simplified things. He's really taken advantage of uh, the fastballs up and in, and finding a way. I mean, he's pretty much been a Deadpool hitter so far, and you know that that works for him because he has such great uh, bat speed and, and exit velocity and, and hard hits and, and so forth. So if he can, I mean, if he hits over the Mendoza line and gives you. You know, and however many at-bats, I mean, the the home run rate that he's currently giving you right now, you can't really ask for much more than that, not to mention what he does with managing a pitching staff and so many things to uh, prevent runs that I think uh, doesn't get enough attention as far as, you know, throwing a runner out at third, blocking a pitch, Um, so many little things like that, stealing a strike, framing, um, just a lot of things that, you know, the average fan might you know, that's playing fantasy baseball. They just look at his numbers and say, "Oh, he's not a good player," but he's actually a really, really good player. If he wasn't a good player, the Rays wouldn't bring him back. They wouldn't mm-hmm. keep bringing him back and keep giving him uh, adding on option years and so forth. So, um, you know, you hope he's able to keep it up and stay healthy. And that's why I think it's so important for Francisco Mejia to to come back into the fold because one thing I don't think he wants Zanito to do is to have to play three or four days in a row or to play an entire sea, uh, series and then uh, a a day game after a night game. Like if you can balance the workload to where they're pretty much, you know, Mejia gives you 70 to 80 games and, uh, Zanino splits the difference. I think that that's really all you can ask for and hope for out of that.
0: Yeah. And, and, uh, as you said, his defense is so valuable, especially with a young pitching staff, Mm -hmm. there's nothing more, you know, that, that, uh, that they need then a good, steady, experienced hand on the field to work them. And it's good for Mejia to learn from
1: that type of guy as well. For sure. And one of the things that, again, I don't think that the race catchers get enough credit they're really, you know, catchers throughout baseball is that mm-hmm. you've got so many guys that are giving you different looks and different arm angles from the right and left side. And that is not an easy thing to do yeah. when um, you've got side armors, you've got submarine pitchers, you've got over the top pitchers, you got a guy like Tyler Glass now, and then you've got a guy like Shane McClanahan. Like it's just, and some of the, the movement and the combination of velocity and the way these pitches the depth and the break and everything like I I'm surprised that there's not like you know 20 pass balls again like these guys are really really good at what they do and I think you know you know sometimes we should maybe take a, a moment to appreciate some of that and, and realize that and, and Zanino you know I think for him Tampa Bay is a great fit because he grew up in southwest Florida Cape Coral area he went to the university of Florida. So, you know, Florida is home. I, I wouldn't see him quite frankly playing anywhere else outside of, if it's not Tampa Bay, it'd probably be the the Miami Marlins or something like that. Like he's a, he's a Florida guy. And I think having that connection, that close to home aspect really helps. I mean, Port Charlotte, the, the spring training complex, it's, it's not very far from his hometown either. So there's a lot of kind of natural, um, you know, a, a comfortability factor with that for sure.
0: Uh, you know, we've noticed here. Uh, I don't know if you guys have, but the the offense all around baseball is down. Uh, mm-hmm. And I noticed that uh, the Rays lead the majors in strikeouts, and uh, they're lowest in the American League with the batting average, with the uh, with runners in scoring position. Part of that is injuries, uh, but do you think that the the fact uh, that they deadened the baseball has anything to do with the offense being down it across the league i mean we see it everywhere you know right. uh the home runs are down the um uh no team is really even taken off at all they're all hovering around 500 as we said at the beginning uh um what's your take on that do you think it's the 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 deadening of the baseball, or or are they just bad hitters?
1: Yeah, I think it's definitely a combination of a couple of things. One, I think the deadened baseball definitely doesn't help matters. Um, you know, I think some of the apparently pitchers are even getting better movement with the thing as well. And I think it's for guys like you look at a guy like Willie Adamas, like he's had a lot of balls that die at the warning track, or you know, if maybe for the traditional baseball it would hit the wall or go off the wall or go over the fence. They would be base hits. They would be gappers and they're getting caught for whatever reason or another. And that that's happened at least a half dozen times. And um, you know, guys that, you know, may not have the power of a Mike Zanino, that, that really affects them to some extent. Now, as far as the rays go, the strikeout rate, this is, this is nothing new. I mean, this was an issue last season and you know, Fangraphs actually did a terrific, terrific article as far as, the correlation between strikeout rates and winning a world series and with the the strikeout rate that the rays had like i, I think the uh the too long didn't read version is you know if if your team you're not winning a world series if your team has a strikeout rate of like 20 22% like a lot of the over the last decade this the strikeout rate as a, as a team of world series winners is around 15 17% something along those lines the rays this is you know this has been an issue now for A while, and I thought they would try to alleviate that with you know getting rid of Hunter Renfro and and some of the other guys. But it is absolutely a concern, and and the Rays have, you know, they've become that traditional you know three outcomes: the 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 walk, the strikeout, or the home run. Excuse my dog; he uh, he's he's amped up about the strikeout rates there. Um, But you know, it's so it's really, and this is where I think that you know I think the Rays in time will be okay because. This could be, we know the Rays are an innovative team. They've, they've kind of, they came up with the opener. They, they've really specialized platoons and shifts and things like that. I think their next wave is uh, middle infield contact oriented guys. You look in the minor leagues at guys like Wander Franco, but El Brujan, those guys don't strike out. Um, their their strikeout to walk ratios are amazing. They've got other guys like Greg Jones, Xavier Edwards. And I think that's going to be something that they really try to hammer on and and utilize to their advantage. But yeah, it's definitely concerning. And that's why, look, I know that, you know, in this analytics day and age that people aren't a big fan of bunting, but if they're shifting against you and they're giving you the whole left side, I don't care who you are. If show you, Tony's willing to lay down a bunt, uh, Brandon Lau or Willie Adamas, or somebody should be willing to lay down a bunt and, and make, make, make the, make the other team adjust at some point to just try to get something going. And, um, it's a concern. It's definitely a concern, you know, and one thing that may help again, uh, they just DFA'd Yoshi Sutsugo, who was a free agent bus signing out of Japan. He was, he was striking out all the time. He's, I mean, he was betting like 150 when they just DFA'd him today. And, and the question was, when are they going to get to that point? But yeah, they got a lot of guys that that have a tendency to, to swing and miss. I mean, Brandon Lau's one of those guys, he was, you know, a guy who was really supposed to emerge and he had a great, great season last year really struggled into the playoffs that seems to for whatever reason have carried over now like lefties are just absolutely taking advantage of him. um so he might have to be a guy that i don't know maybe the rays even though he signed a long-term extension maybe the rays do what the brewers did send in you know keston yura to the, to the minor leagues to get him right because he is just uh the the out of the zone swing rates are, are out of this world and he's getting eaten alive by breaking stuff. So, you know, that's part of it. I I think, you know, the dead ball, like you mentioned, I I just think that the fact that pitchers are throwing, you know, 95 seems like nothing nowadays. And it's, it's gotten to a point (laughs) where, and and now you add into the dead, like I get what they're trying to do with, you want to try to implement more. You want to change the approach of, okay, don't focus so much as the home run, but these guys growing up through the travel ball circuit, through high school, through College. They they've been focused on long ball, long ball, long ball. It's hard to change your approach on a dime just because right. the league implements a, a new ball, and then you you basically helped out the pitchers even more so. Yeah. And it's already hard enough for the hitters. So I I don't get that aspect of at all. They, the 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 uh, the unintended consequences I, I think are really uh, gonna bite the uh, bite baseball in the bullet, uh, bite baseball in the butt here. I think.
0: Yeah, I, I agree, and I and I think also that. Uh, You know, by deadening the ball, I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe it gives the infielders an extra step because the ball's not moving as fast. So anything you hit, the idea is to stop the home runs, but you're stopping all sorts of of, uh, uh, offense then because everything you hit's going to be slower, I think. I don't, you know, I don't that's just my theory is watching baseball for a long time, but I couldn't agree with you more. You want to, you know, you want to beat the shift, hit the ball the other way or bunt, uh, right. even the slowest guy can beat out a bunt. If it's pushed far enough down the third base side, if everybody's over on the right hand side. And yeah, I think it, the, the the shifts are another thing. I think it, it it's hurting the game defensively because you got guys, it's, you know, the 3rd basin Bateson's got to make a double play all of a sudden. He can't turn that half the time. So uh, I don't know. We'll see where they yeah. get there.
1: I'll say this, you know, maybe again this year, it might take, if they're really going to play this thing out and. I don't think they should just keep changing the ball. Oh, it didn't work this year. Let's change it back. Like you can't uh, stick with an idea and go with it. And maybe in the next decade, 15 years, 20 years, maybe you'll see something where teams really start to focus and try to develop slap hitters and guys that are, that will lay down a bunt and have some speed. Maybe that's something that will, you know, the next generation of ball players, maybe you get more of the David Fletchers and Nick Madrigal types and, you know, whoever else has the, the low strikeout rate and so forth. And, and guys that can draw a walk as opposed to just the, the big time power hitters that strike out all the time. But that's something that is absolutely going to take some time. It, it can't, it can't change in a single year. And, and that's, uh, that's sort of the, the ethos going forward. And, and I know the baseball has a lot of other, you know, rules changes that they're maybe trying to implement it at some point with, and who knows? I mean, I'm not totally against all the ideas. I know about you know the, the bigger base and moving the bound back and some of the different things with that, but you, you really got to, study some of this stuff before you just say, okay, we're going to implement this right away without really, really giving a whole bunch of thought to the idea. I don't know, you know, something that maybe just maybe changing the strike zone. Nowadays it's so, I mean, guys are just, they're throwing so hard. They're the the command and control isn't there. That's why I think you're seeing a lot of hit batters. I mean, guys going Mm -hmm. down left and right. It's just, let me throw it as hard as I can. And try to get you by, get it by you, and you know, for the most part, it works. But you also have a control problem and an arm injury problem too. So there's a lot that, that baseball has to work out and deal with over uh, over the next uh, several years. I would say,
0: I, I probably the next trend will be going back to control pitchers and uh, uh, bunting and speed, as you said, and defense right. and slap hitters, and that'll be the next trend somewhere down the road. Uh, well, this is a nice break for the Rays after stretch of, uh, what, 30 games in 31 days or something. And, and 17 days in a row, I think it was something, something along that lines. Now they come to New York and they're going to be here for like a, a whole week. Cause they're playing the Yankees for two. I think it's two, uh, and then they're shifting over to uh, Queens to play the Mets for the weekend. So uh, at least they get a chance to rest a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's,
1: it's one of those things. I mean, those those West Coast road trips are a grind. And then when you add in like, a handful of guys that went down with injuries, that doesn't help matters at all. And, and maybe you know trying to – again, they've, they've had a lot of yuck, uh, luck with the Yankees. It's one of those things. They don't have to search for motivation and playing the Yankees. I mean, it's kind of built in and ingrained uh, for the last several years. There And then, uh, you know, I don't know. I'd have to ask you that question, but um, I, I, you know, I guess if DeGrom's not available and uh, there's look, I always not to, not to make fun of the Mets, but there always seems to be some type of shenanigans or dysfunction going on, rats, raccoons. There's a lot of things going on and uh, you know, the, the race, you know, the Rays may come in and, and have a day where they're, you know, the, the Mets seem to have a lot of uh, off-the-field and, and, and s- sideshow, clown show stuff that they're dealing with instead of just focusing <laughs> what's going on on the field. That's just my, my outside vantage point here, though.
0: Well, yeah, we don't know if
1: it was a rat or raccoon or... Uh... <laughs> or just a, 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 a beef between uh, Lindor and McNeil because there's been so many issues on... You know, uh, a ball that's hit their way, and who does it go to, that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, well, that that's that's the belief, and uh, uh, it looks like they settled it, you know, so uh, let's uh, – but, you know, the press we have in New York, they're going to pick, pick, pick until they that's find the truth. So uh, that's the problem here, but we'll see. Uh, interesting, though, the other night when it did happen, uh, every question Lindor got was about it,
1: and um, – That's something he probably wasn't used to in Cleveland. That's something that you've got (laughs) to deal with and adjust to. That's the thing. You know, it it is, I guess, thankful if you're a, you know, if you're a raised player, you absolutely want more of a a following and a fan base and people showing up to the games. But the media is pretty, the media in Tampa Bay is, I mean, it's not, it's definitely the antithesis of what's going on in Boston Uh, or New York or some of these other places. It's not very uh, – there's not a lot of controversy that what comes out, I say. And they, they keep a lot of things close to the vest, not a lot of lakes and so forth. They're pretty – I mean, pretty – as you can see over the years, pretty well-run organization through and through.
0: Now, are they still going to play uh, part of their season in
1: uh, – where was it? Montreal? Well, we'll see. I mean, that's, that's what they're – that's what the owner says, you know, come – 2027 or whenever the Tropicana field lease expires, that's, I don't know if it's a, a bargaining chip to, to try to get some money from the County and the state and the local citizens, but that's, that's what they are, are looking at as of right now, you know, something along the lines of, you know, have spring training and uh, play the first couple months of the season and in, in Tampa Bay, and then uh, ship up to, to Canada, you know, around June through the rest of the season and, and go from there. But um really you know this year we haven't heard a lot on that front uh it's funny I mean that I guess in a, a good way the, the Oakland Athletics and some of their, their stadium news is, is kind of uh blown that past but yeah that's you know they say they're working on it trying to get something done but you know there, there also is a shift in power the the mayor in St. Petersburg is uh I, I guess he's he's ran out of time as his, his office term limit has has come out so maybe the the new mayor can get on a a solid page with the Rays and work something out. um, There's definitely a lot at stake and a lot to discuss. And I I don't think there's any question that, you know, the Rays are working behind closed doors and are kind of, uh, you know, working the council members and whoever they think is, is going to be the next mayor to to try to get what they want at the end of the day. So we'll see.
0: Yeah. They've been, they've been talking about a new stadium for years. I mean, I can remember they had a a, a mock-up or uh, at least a drawing of a, I don't know how many years ago it was now, but it was like a a, a sail or something covering the top. It was a, a weird type of thing, yeah. but uh, that was a number of years ago now. So uh, yeah,
1: that so was one so. of them. that That was one, and then I mean, most recently, I think in you know twenty seventeen twenty eighteen they had the Ebor City proposal. You know, historic Tampa that they were gonna put in, and they I guess the the cost was estimated to be $800 million or so. The owner, Stu Sternberg says, you know, oh, I might throw in 50 or a hundred million. I mean, that's not, uh, you want the taxpayers to pay 80, 90% of the thing. Okay. And then it just didn't fall. I mean, whatever reason, I mean, it was one of those things where I guess they they didn't make the timelines or make it work out. And um, it's just been a shame to this point, because I think, you know, uh, maybe a little bit biased here, but I think if you do put the stadium in, in Tampa proper and, in the downtown Tampa area that you would you build it they will come uh, St Petersburg yeah it's it's not it's not a long drive or out of the way if if you live in uh, in Boston New York New York or Los Angeles or some of these bustling cities but you know Florida's a little bit of a different market but we've seen the success of uh, you know hockey Tampa Bay Lightning they've got mm-hmm. they've got a an arena on channel side and they sell that thing out every week um so i, I think it could work you know the I think the absolute best location uh, would be where the, the New York Yankees have spring training, uh, right off of Dale Mabry, right across from Raymond James Stadium where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers play. You already have the infrastructure there. Uh, you, I don't think they would ever work anything out. But, you know, if you're the Yankees, if you're Major League Baseball, if you can find a way to, to get some property to where the, the Rays aren't, uh, you know, constantly, you know, having their hand out for revenue sharing and, and so forth, you would think that would – help them and, and make them happy, but we'll see what happens with all that. I mean, it's still, I'm sure maybe before the end of the year, we'll, we'll have some news and updates, but um, thankfully, thankfully it's been pretty quiet on that front. It, it's kind of frustrating when you hear about like, especially with the uh, the reports from the Oakland athletics, like middle of the season like this, like let the guys, I, I get it if you want to break the news in November, December, January, but these guys, now they got to answer these questions and think about uh, where they might be going. And I know a lot of these guys probably won't be with the franchise, but some of them might have long-term deals. And it's just uh, it's just an added stressor and distraction that they don't really need. So um, maybe that's what the Rays are doing. They're keeping everything under tight lip as best they can until uh, after the 2020 season concludes, and then we might hear some more developments from there.
0: Well, good luck to the Rays this year. Beat the Yankees. And, uh, you know, I hope you have a little setback when you come to this part of new york but uh uh you know uh why don't you tell the people kevin where they can find uh, your podcast
1: yeah uh really any any podcasting platform we're also on twitter locked on rays uh, people can email us locked on at gmail.com but um you know iheartradio odyssey spotify itunes you just type in locked on rays and, and people can find us one way or the other so
0: Okay, that's great, and I want to thank you for coming on tonight, taking some time uh, to come talk to us about the Tampa Bay Rays. And as I said, good luck the rest of the season, and
1: we'll see you this weekend. Likewise, looking forward to it. I wouldn't say the same if you were a Yankees fan or in Yankees <laughs> garb there, but the Mets—I I don't have as much hate. You're in the National League; it's you know, a different color scheme. I, I, I can side with that a little bit. So, no problems. No problems on my end. <laughs>
0: Well, we have color here, you know. Uh, It's not like playing against (laughs) a team that's dressed in black and white.
1: (laughs) That is true. That is true. Yeah.
0: All right. Once again, thanks, Kevin, for coming on. And I'll be back right after this. 516-619-6341. That is our voicemail comment hotline. If you have a question, want to leave a comment, make a statement, anything at all. That's the number to call, 516-619-6341. Or go to our website, metsmusings.com, and click on the widget in the middle of the screen. That's a speak pipe. And you click the record button, and you can record right through your computer's microphone. Or you can send us an email at Metzmusings at gmail.com. Dot com. And if you'd like to follow me on social media, it's Facebook is Facebook.com slash Mets Musings. Twitter is at Mets Musings GM. Instagram is Mets Musings and YouTube is Mets Musings Mac. And don't forget to subscribe on YouTube or wherever you watch or listen to the podcast. okay and we're back and now it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show Ah-ah! down on the farm we go okay well i hate to say it but the uh <laughs> it's not a good start for the Metzies farm teams let me tell you that uh They have not gotten off to a good start whatsoever. The only one is St. Lucie, but Syracuse has started the season 1-6. and They won their first game and dropped six in a row after that and have struggled. Binghamton's even worse. They're 0-6. They're yet to win a game this year, and uh, uh, yet they have some, you know, uh, good names in their lineup, but uh, just can't seem to get on the winning board, hopefully tonight. Uh, and, and, again, these are the standings going into tonight's action. Uh, the Cyclones, my favorite minor league team. The Brooklyn Cyclones are 3-3. Three and three. They're two and a half games back of Aberdeen in the high A league, the high A East. Um. Aberdeen's off to a quick 6-1 and one start, so uh, they're, they're playing pretty well. But I think they've played some games at home, so Cyclones are yet to come home. They'll be home Tuesday night against the Hudson Valley Renegades, a Yankee affiliate now, uh, who, by the way, are 3-4 and four on the season. Uh, St. Lucie is off to a great start. They're uh, number one in the Low A Southeast Division, F five and two. They have a game, one game lead over Daytona. So uh, that's um, Saint Lucie is the uh, Saint Lucie Mets, the, the only team that have been off to a good start, if you will. For the minor leagues right now, but uh, it's a long season. They just started, as you can tell by the amount of games, and we'll see. And like I said, um, Cyclones are just coming, be coming home on uh, next Tuesday, the 18th. So uh, hopefully, some home cooking, and and uh, they'll they'll hold their own. They can come back six and six somewhere along that line. Uh, seven and five. Uh, it's a long road trip, but if they can do something like that, coming in around hovering around the five hundred mark, that that'll be good. So uh, let's hope that they can pull that off. Um, um, well, they won't. They they actually had a game canceled, so they're going to only have an eleven games before when they come home. But anyway, uh, that's uh, you know that's what we hope for. And, uh, boy, Syracuse got to pick it up as well as Binghamton. Some good players there. I don't know what, what the deal is, but we'll, we'll wait and see. And that's going to wrap it up for this week's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I want to thank my guest, Kevin Weiss, of the Locked on Rays podcast. Uh, Very interesting, very informative. Thanks, Kevin, so much. It was great having you on. And I want to thank you all for listening and watching. Don't forget to subscribe to the show when you listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, CastBox, Amazon Prime, YouTube, YouTube, Wherever you listen or watch the podcast, hit the subscribe button. It helps me grow the community and expand to new listeners. And yes, we have a YouTube station, uh, YouTube channel. It's Mets Musings Mac, and I hope you'd go check out the the video. We try to do some some you know things with that, and uh, I hope you enjoy that. We're also looking on doing some live shows, running some tests now. You may have seen them on my Facebook page, uh, Mets Musings, or on the YouTube page at uh, Mets Musings Mac. So go check them out. And if you'd like to be a sponsor of the show and help out the show, please go to anchor.fm slash Mets Musings, and it'll tell you how you can support the show. Or go to my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Mets Musings. So I hope that you can continue to enjoy the podcast. And until next time, remember to keep the faith, stay optimistic, and let's go Mets. And I'll see you next time on another edition of Mets Musings.